Book Two, Chapter Nine of the Lancashire Witches. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Andy Minter. The Lancashire Witches, A Romance of Pendle Forest, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Book Two, Pendle Forest, Chapter Nine: How Rough Lee Was Defended by Nicholas. When skies are darkest, and storms are gathering thickest overhead, the star of love will oft shine out with greatest brilliancy. And so, while Mistress Nutter was hurling defiance against her foes at the gate, and laughing their menaces to scorn, while those very foes were threatening Alison's liberty and life, she had become wholly insensible to the peril environing her, and almost unconscious of any other presence save that of Richard, now her avowed lover, for, impelled by the irresistible violence of his feelings, the young man had chosen that moment, apparently so unpropitious and so fraught with danger and alarm, for the declaration of his passion and the offer of his life in her service. A few low-murmured words were all Alison could utter in reply, but they were enough. They told Richard his passion was requited, and his devotion fully appreciated. Sweet were those moments to both, sweet though sad, like Alison, her lover had become insensible to all around him. Engrossed by one thought and one object, he was lost to aught else, and was only at last aroused to what was passing by the squire, who, having good-naturedly removed to a little distance from the pair, now gave utterance to a low whistle, to let them know that Mistress Nutter was coming towards them. The lady, however, did not stop, but motioning them to follow, entered the house. "'You have heard what has passed,' she said. "'In an hour Master Noel threatens to return and arrest me and Alison.' "'That shall never be,' cried Richard, with a passionate look at the young girl. "'We will defend you with our lives.' "'Much may be done in an hour,' observed Nicholas to Mistress Nutter. "'And my advice to you is to use the time allowed you in making good your retreat.' so that when the hawks come back they may find the doves flown. "'I have no intention of quitting my dovecot,' replied Mistress Nutter, with a bitter smile. "'Unless you are forcibly taken from it, I suppose,' said the squire. "'A contingency not impossible if you await Roger Knowles' return. This time be assured he will not go away empty-handed.' "'He may not go away at all,' rejoined Mistress Nutter sternly. "'Then you mean to make a determined resistance?' said Nicholas. "'Recollect that you are resisting the law. "'I wish I could induce you to resort to the safer expedient of flight. "'This affair is already dark and perplexed enough, "'and does not require further complication. "'Find any place of concealment, no matter where, "'till some arrangement can be made with Roger Nowell.' "'I should rather urge you to fly, Nicholas,' rejoined the lady for it is evident you have strong misgivings as to the justice of my cause, and would not willingly compromise yourself. I will not surrender to this magistrate, because by so doing my life would assuredly be forfeited, for my innocence could never be established before the iniquitous and bloody tribunal to which I should be brought. Neither for the same reason will I surrender Alison, who with a refinement of malignity has been similarly accused." I shall now proceed to make preparations for my defence. Go if you think fitting, or stay. But if you do stay, 
"'I shall calculate upon your active services.' "'You may,' replied the squire. "'Whatever I may think, I admire your spirit, and will stand by you. "'But time is passing, and the four will return, "'and find us engaged in deliberation when we ought to be prepared. "'You have a dozen men on the premises on whom you can rely. "'Half of these must be placed at the back of the house "'to prevent any entrance from being effected in that quarter.' The rest can remain within the entrance hall, and be ready to rush forth when summoned by us. But we will not so summon them unless we are hardly put to it, and their aid is indispensable. All should be well armed, but I trust they will not have to use their weapons. Are you agreed to this, madam?' "'I am,' replied Mistress Nutter, "'and I will give instant directions that your wishes are complied with.' "'All approaches to the back of the house shall be strictly guarded as you direct, "'and my trusty man Blackadder, on whose fidelity and courage I can entirely rely, "'shall take the command of the party in the hall, and act under your orders. "'Your prowess will not be unobserved, for Alison and I shall be in the upper rooms "'commanding the garden, whence we can see all that takes place.' "'A slight smile was exchanged between the lovers.' but it was evident, from her anxious looks, that Alison did not share in Richard's confidence. An opportunity, however, was presently afforded him of again endeavouring to reassure her, for Mistress Nutter went forth to give Blackadder his orders, and Nicholas betook himself to the back of the house, to ascertain from personal inspection its chance of security. "'You are still uneasy, dear Alison,' said Richard, taking her hand. "'But do not be cast down. No harm shall befall you.' "'It is not for myself I am apprehensive,' she replied, "'but for you, who are about to expose yourself to needless risk in this encounter, "'and if anything should happen to you I shall be for ever wretched. "'I would far rather you left me to my fate.' "'And can you think I would allow you to be borne away a captive to ignominy and certain destruction?' cried Richard. "'No, I will shed my heart's best blood before such a calamity shall occur.' "'Alas!' said Alison, I have no means of requiting your devotion. All I can offer you in return is my love, and, and that, I fear, will prove fatal to you. Oh, do not say so, cried Richard. Why should this sad presentiment still haunt you? I strove to chase it away just now, and I hoped I had succeeded. You are dearer to me than life. Why, therefore, should I not risk it in your defence? And why should your love prove fatal to me? I know not replied Alison, in a tone of deepest anguish, "'but I feel as if my destiny were evil, and that against my will I shall drag those I most love on earth into the same dark gulf with myself. I have the greatest affection for your sister Dorothy, and yet I have been the unconscious instrument of injury to her. And you too, Richard, who are yet dearer to me, are now put in peril on my account.' I fear, too, when you know my whole history, you will think of me as a thing of evil, and shun me. "'What mean you, Alison?' he cried. "'Richard, I can have no secrets from you,' she replied. "'And though I was forbidden to tell you what I am now about to disclose, I will not withhold it. I was born in this house, and am the daughter of its mistress.' "'You tell me only what I guessed, Alison,' rejoined the young man. "'But I see nothing in this why I should shun you.' Alison hid her face for a moment in her hands, and then, looking up, said, wildly and hurriedly, "'Would I had never known the secret of my birth, or knowing it had never seen what I beheld last night!' 
"'What did you behold?' asked Richard, greatly agitated. "'Enough to convince me that in gaining a mother I was lost myself,' replied Alison. "'For, oh, how can I survive the shock of telling you I am bound, by ties that can never be dissevered, to one abandoned alike of God and man, who has devoted herself to the fiend? Pity me, Richard, pity me, and shun me.' There was a moment's dreadful pause, which the young man was unable to break. "'Was I not right in saying my love would be fatal to you?' continued Alison. "'Fly from me while you can, Richard. Fly from this house, or you are lost for ever.' "'Never, never, I will not stir without you,' cried Richard. "'Come with me, and escape all the dangers by which you are menaced, and leave your sinning parent to the doom she so richly merits.' "'No, no.' "'Sinful though she be, she is still my mother. I cannot leave her,' cried Alison. "'If you stay, I stay. Be the consequences what they may,' replied the young man. "'But you have rendered my arm powerless by what you have told me. How can I defend one whom I know to be guilty?' "'Therefore I urge you to fly,' she rejoined. "'I can reconcile myself to it thus,' said Richard. "'In defending you, whom I know to be innocent,' I cannot avoid defending her. The plea is not a good one, but it will suffice to allay my scruples of conscience. At this moment Mistress Nutter entered the hall, followed by Blackadder and three other men, armed with calibers. "'All is ready, Richard,' she said, "'and it wants but few minutes of the appointed time. Perhaps you shrink from the task you have undertaken,' she added, regarding him sharply. "'If so,' "'Say at once, and I will adopt my own line of defence. "'Nay, I shall be ready to go forth in a moment,' rejoined the young man, glancing at Alison. "'Where is Nicholas?' "'Here,' replied the squire, clapping him on the shoulder. "'All is secure at the back of the house, and the horses are coming round. "'We must mount at once.' "'Richard arose without a word. "'Blackadder will attend to your orders.' said Mistress Nutter. He only waits a sign from you to issue forth with his three companions, or to fire through the windows on the aggressors, if you see occasion for it. "'I trust it will not come to such a pass,' rejoined the squire. "'A few blows from these weapons will convince them we are in earnest, and will, I hope, save further trouble.' And as he spoke he took down a couple of stout staves, and gave one of them to Richard. "'Farewell, then, preux chevalier,' cried Mistress Nutter, with affected gaiety. "'Demean yourselves valiantly, and remember that bright eyes will be upon you. Now, Alison, to our chamber.' Richard did not hazard a look at the young girl as she quitted the hall with her mother, but followed the squire mechanically into the garden, where they found the horses. Scarcely were they mounted than a loud hubbub, arising from the little village, proclaimed that their opponents had arrived and presently after a large company of horse and foot appeared at the gate. At sight of the large force brought against them, the countenance of the squire lost its confident and jovial expression. He counted nearly forty men, each of whom was armed in some way or other, and began to fear the affair would terminate awkwardly, and entail unpleasant consequences upon himself and his cousin. He was therefore by no means at his ease, as to Richard, he did not dare to ask himself how things could end, neither did he know how to act. His mind was in utter confusion, and his breast oppressed as if by a nightmare. He cast one look towards the upper window, 
and beheld at it the white face of Mistress Nutter, intently gazing upon what was going forward. But Alison was not to be seen. Within the last half-hour the sky had darkened, and a heavy cloud hung over the house, threatening a storm. Richard hoped it would come on fiercely and fast. Meanwhile Roger Nowell had dismounted and advanced to the gate. "'Gentlemen,' he cried, addressing the two Ashertons, "'I expected to find free access given to me and my followers. But as these gates are still barred against me, I call upon you as loyal subjects of the King not to resist or impede the course of law, but to throw them instantly open.' "'You must unbar them yourself, Master Nowell,' replied Nicholas. "'We shall give you no help.' "'Nor offer any opposition, I hope, sir,' said the magistrate sternly. "'You are twenty to one, or thereabout,' returned the squire, with a laugh. "'We shall stand the poor chance with you.' "'But other defensive and offensive preparations have been made, I doubt not,' said Noel. "'Nay, I descry some armed men through the windows of the hall. "'Before coming to extremities, I will make a last appeal to you and your kinsmen. "'I have granted Mistress Nutter and the girl with her an hour's delay.' and I hope that, seeing the futility of resistance, they would quietly surrender. But I find my clemency thrown away, an undue advantage taken of time allowed for respite. Therefore I shall show them no further consideration. But to you, my friends, I would offer a last warning. Forget not that you are acting in direct opposition to the law, that we are here armed with full authority and power to carry out our intentions.' and that all opposition on your part will be fruitless, and will be visited upon you hereafter with severe pains and penalties. Forget not also that your characters will be irrecoverably damaged from your connection with parties charged with the heinous offence of witchcraft. Meddle not, therefore, in the matter, but go your ways, nor, if you would act as best becomes you, aid me in the arrest of the offenders. Master Roger Nowell, "'replied Nicholas, walking his horse slowly towards the gate. "'As you have given me a caution, I will give you one in return. "'And that is to put a bridle on your tongue when you address gentlemen, "'nor by faith you are likely to get answers little to your taste. "'You have said that our characters are likely to suffer in this transaction, "'but in my humble opinion they will not suffer so much as your own. "'The magistrates who uses the arm of the law for purposes of private vengeance,' and who brings a false and foul charge against his enemy, knowing that it cannot be repelled, is not entitled to any particular respect or honour. Thus you have acted towards Mistress Nutter. Defeated by her in the boundary question, without leaving its decision to those whom you had referred it, you instantly accuse her of witchcraft, and seek to destroy her, as well as an innocent and unoffending girl by whom she is attended. "'Is such conduct worthy of you, or likely to redound to your credit? "'I think not. But this is not all. "'Aided by your crafty and unscrupulous ally, Master Potts, "'you get together a number of Mistress Nutter's tenants, "'and by threats and misrepresentations induce them to become instruments of your vengeance. "'But when these misguided men come to know the truth of the case, "'when they learn that you have no proofs whatever against Mistress Nutter,' and you are influenced solely by animosity to her, they are quite as likely to desert you as to stand by you. At all events, we are determined to resist this unjust arrest, and at the hazard of our lives to oppose your entrance into the house. 
Noel and Potts were greatly exasperated by this speech, but they were little prepared for its consequences. Many of those who had been induced to accompany them, as has been showed, wavered in their resolution of acting against Mistress Nutter, but they now began to declare in her favour. In vain Potts repeated all his former arguments. They were no longer of any avail. Of the troop assembled at the gate, more than half marched off, and shaped their course towards the rear of the house, with what intention it was easy to surmise, while of those who remained it was very doubtful whether the whole of them would act. The result of his oration was quite as surprising to Nicholas as to his opponents, and enchanted by the effect of his eloquence, he could not help glancing up at the window, where he perceived Mistress Nutter, whose smile showed that she was equally well pleased. Seeing that, if any further desertions took place, his chances would be at an end, with a menacing gesture at the squire, Roger Nowell ordered the attack to commence immediately. While some of his men, amongst whom were Baldwin and Old Mitten, battered against the gate with stones, another party, headed by Potts, scaled the walls, which, though of considerable height, presented no very serious obstacle in the way of active assailants. Elevated on the shoulders of Sparshot, Potts was soon on the summit of the wall, and was about to drop into the garden, when he heard a sound that caused him to suspend his intention. "'What are you about to do, cousin Nicholas?' inquired Richard, as the word of assault was given by the magistrate. "'Let loose Mistress Nutter's staghounds upon them,' replied the squire. "'They are kept in leash by a varlet stationed behind yon yew hedge. There was only to await my signal to let them slip, and by my faith it's time he had it.' As he spoke, he applied a dog-whistle to his lips, and blowing a loud call, it was immediately answered by a savage barking, and half a dozen hounds, rough-haired, of prodigious size and power, resembling in mate, colour, and ferocity the Irish wolfhound, bounded towards him. "'Aha!' exclaimed Nicholas, clapping his hands to encourage them. "'We could have dispersed the whole route with these assistants. Hark, Tristan, hark, you but upon them, upon them!' It was the savage barking of the hounds that had caught the ears of the alarmed attorney, and made him desirous to scramble back again. But this was no such easy matter. Sparshot's broad shoulders were wanting to place his feet upon, and while he was bruising his knee against the roughened sides of the wall, in vain attempts to raise himself to the top of it unaided, Hubert's sharp teeth met in the calf of his leg while those of Tristram were fixed in the skirts of his doublet, and penetrated deeply into the flesh that filled it. A terrific yell proclaimed the attorney's anguish and alarm, and he redoubled his efforts to escape. But if before it was difficult to get up, the feat was now impossible. All he could do was to cling with desperate tenacity to the coping of the wall, for he made no doubt, if dragged down, he should be torn to pieces. Roaring lustily for help, he besought Nicholas to have compassion upon him, but the squire appeared little moved by his distress, and laughed heartily at his yells and vociferations. "'You will not come again on a like errand in a hurry, I fancy, Master Potts.' "'I will not, good Master Nicholas,' rejoined Potts. "'For pity's sake, call off these infernal hounds. They will rend me asunder as they would a fox.' "'You are a cunning fox, in good sooth, to come hither.' rejoined Nicholas, in a taunting tone. "'But will you go hence, if I liberate you?' "'I will, I, indeed I will,' replied Potts. "'And will no more molest Mistress Nutter?' thundered Nicholas. "'Take heed what you promise,' roared Noel from the other side of the wall. 
"'If you do not promise it, the hounds shall pull you down and make a meal of you,' cried Nicholas. "'I do, I swear, whatever you desire,' cried the terrified attorney. The hounds were then called off by the squire, and, nerved by fright, Potts sprang upon the wall and tumbled over it upon the other side, alighting upon the head of his respected and singular good client, whom he brought to the ground. Meanwhile all those unlucky persons who had succeeded in scaling the wall were attacked by the hounds, and, unable to stand against them, were chased round the garden to the infinite amusement of the squire. Frightened to death, and unable otherwise to escape, for the gate allowed them no means of exit, the poor wretches fled towards the terrace, overlooking Pendle Water, and, leaping into the stream, gained the opposite bank. There they were safe, for the hounds were not allowed to follow them further. In this way the garden was completely cleared of the enemy, and Nicholas and Richard were left masters of the field. Leaning out of the window, Mistress Nutter laughingly congratulated them on their success, and as no further disposition was manifested on the part of Noel, and such of his troop that remained to renew the attack, the contest, for the present at least, was supposed to be at an end. By this time, also, intimation had been conveyed by the deserters from Noel's troop, who, it will be remembered, had made their way to the back of the premises, that they were anxious to offer their services to Mistress Nutter, and as soon as this was told her, she ordered them to be admitted, and descended to give them welcome. Thus things wore a promising aspect for the besieged, while the assailing party were proportionately disheartened. Long ere this, Baldwin and Old Mitten had desisted from their attempts to break open the gate, and indeed rejoiced that such a barrier was interposed between them and the hounds, whose furious onslaughts they witnessed. A bolt was launched against these four-footed guardians of the premises by the bearer of the crossbow, but the man proved but an indifferent marksman, for, instead of hitting the hound, he disabled one of his companions who was battling with him. Finding things in this state, and that neither Noel nor Potts returned to their charge, while their followers were withdrawn from before the gate, Nicholas thought he might fairly infer that a victory had been obtained but like a prudent leader he did not choose to expose himself till the enemy had absolutely yielded, and he therefore signed to Blackadder and his men to come forth from the hall. The order was obeyed, not only by them, but by the seceders from the hostile troop, and some thirty men issued from the principal door, and raising themselves upon the lawn, set up a deafening and triumphant shout, very different from that raised by the same individuals when under the command of Noel. At the same moment Mistress Nutter and Alison appeared at the door, and at the sight of them the shouting was renewed. The unexpected turn in affairs had not been without its effect upon Richard and Alison, and tended to revive the spirits of both. The immediate danger by which they were threatened had vanished, and time was given for the consideration of new plans. Richard had been firmly resolved to take no further part in the affray than should be required for the protection of Alison and consequently it was no little satisfaction to him to reflect that the victory had been accomplished without him, and by means which could not afterwards be questioned. Meanwhile Mistress Nutter had joined Nicholas, and the gates being unbarred by Blackadder, they passed through them. At a little distance stood Roger Nowell, now altogether abandoned, except by his own immediate followers, with Baldwin and Old Mitten. Poor Potts was lying on the ground, piteously bemoaning the lacerations his skin had undergone. "'Well, you have got the worst of it, Master Noel,' 
said Nicholas, as he and Mistress Nutter approached the discomfited magistrate, and must own yourself fairly defeated. Defeated as I am, I would rather be in my place than in yours, sir, retorted Noel sourly. You have had a wholesome lesson read you, Master Noel, said Mistress Nutter, but I do not come hither to taunt you. I am quite satisfied with the victory I have obtained, and am anxious to put an end to the misunderstanding between us. "'We have no misunderstanding with you, madam,' replied Noel. "'I do not quarrel with persons like you. But be assured, though you may escape now, a day of reckoning will come.' "'Your chief cause of grievance against me, I am aware,' replied Mistress Nutter calmly, "'is that I have beaten you in the matter of the land. Now I have a proposal to make to you respecting it.' "'I cannot listen to it.' rejoined Noel sternly. "'I can have no dealings with a witch.' At this moment his cloak was plucked behind by Potts, who looked at him as much as to say, "'Do not exasperate her. Hear what she has got to offer.' "'I shall be happy to act as a mediator between you, if possible,' observed Nicholas. "'But in that case I must request you, Master Noel, to abstain from any offensive language.' "'What is it you have to propose to me, then, madam?' demanded the magistrate gruffly. "'Come with me into the house, and you shall hear,' replied Mistress Nutter. Noel was about to refuse peremptorily, when his cloak was again plucked by Potts, who whispered him to go. "'This is not a snare laid to entrap me, madam,' he said, regarding the lady suspiciously. "'I will answer for her good faith,' interposed Nicholas. Noel still hesitated, but the counsel of his legal adviser was enforced by a heavy shower of rain, which just then began to descend upon them. "'You can take shelter beneath my roof,' said Mistress Nutter, "'and before the shower is over we can settle the matter. And my wounds can be dressed at the same time,' said Potts, with a groan, "'for they pain me sorely. Blackadder has a sovereign balsam, which with a patch or two of diachleon will make all right.' "'replied Nicholas, unable to repress a laugh. "'Here, lift him up between you,' he added to the grooms, "'and convey him into the house.' "'The orders were obeyed, and Mistress Nutter led the way "'through the now wide-open gates. "'Her slow and majestic march was by no means accelerated "'by the drenching shower. "'What Roger Nowell's sensation were at following her in such a way "'after his previous threats and boastings may be easily conceived.' End of chapter 9